2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto-World Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty. joined today by Mr. Denny Carter. As always, we'll have a special guest in 20 to 30 minutes' time. You may know him by the name of Eric Froton. We know him as Eric Froton. Uh, he's a the Frodo. Yeah, the Frodo. And the karaoke master. Um, yeah. Really, really thrilled. He can also do very high leg kicks. <laughs> he's an interesting man. Um, yeah, and yeah, He's a college football expert. He's a draft expert. He's going to talk some of... His favorite, like day two and three, running back and receiver prospects that might not necessarily be scheme or you know, like landing spot dependent. You know, like a lot of those guys on like day two were like, can't end up with the you know and the Texans. Like, yeah, gotta end up with a team that has an actual smart coach, and he's gonna talk. Well, the Texans do have a smart coach now. <laughs> yeah, <right>. like, uh, <laughs> we like D'Amico Ryan's a lot, but like team that's not gonna be land somewhere. where, like, yeah, they just they don't ever throw the ball on this team. That's um, right.
3: Uh, or, or like f- with fifteen caveats for the landing spot. Yeah, well, yeah, if, yeah, if he lands yeah. on a team that throws it more than they run it, and doesn't, ha- and has two injured starting receivers, and does this and this, then he's good.
2: Yeah. As long as he ends up on a team that's not Arthur Smith calling twelve passes a game, um, yeah. it'll be really, really good. Yeah, that's so, happening this
3: year. And try to talk
2: to us some day in two three prospects who their 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 skill will shine through regardless. But first, Denny, uh, you've told me that you. Have a bone to pick, a very, very old man bone <laughs> to pick. but well, something with our, our national our National Basketball Association. What is it, Denny?
3: <laughs> I do. Uh, and you know, I hope Commissioner Silver is is listening. I know he is a huge fan of the show. I wanna say, as an East Coaster who is NBA curious is how I would describe myself. Um, I wanna I wanna believe, I wanna watch, but I can't watch, Adam, because uh the game starts at 10 30. the good game start at 10 30. I don't care about the sixers I don't care about this boring east Coast <laughs> basketball no one no one cares about that Celtics are boring come on you know like let's let's get let's get the west coast stuff a little earlier for the east coast uh dads and moms who ha- you have to, have to go to bed we got to go to bed we can't stay up till two in the morning to to watch uh uh, uh you know Jokic what in what, you know <laughs> this this jokic character in in from from my perspective he's, he's, he's right he's it's an ai uh gener- a generated player no no one's seen him on the east coast there's no way to prove that he exists uh all, all he does is 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 uh lead the the nba and uh, epa or whatever they call it in in the nba and 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 he, wins, it's called purr, purr. And he wins mvps but we've never seen him on the East Coast. Let's see one game with this guy, please. Yeah, he's not real. He's yeah, he's not even, uh, you know, he's from uh,
2: an Eastern European country that frankly doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> really. so, I can't
3: remember which one he's from. So I, I hopefully, know, right, yeah.
2: hopefully it's not one that has some, like, controversies. Like, uh, it's, I think he's I'm from guessing
3: two. it's one with a long and tortured history. It's not Most Slovenia.
2: People. That's where Luca is from. Um, anyways, I don't remember where Jokic, Jokic well. is from.
3: Look at another thing, Pat. This Kings Warrior series. All the cool kids are talking about Kings Warriors, right? That's all. That's all anybody wants to wants to watch. Uh, you know, the Kings are in the playoffs for the first time since two thousand six. Since Mike Bibby, I saw you posted a picture of Mike Bibby the other day. Uh, I posted a picture of Mike Bibby. I desperately want to watch this, but guess what? I can't. I'm not going to see one second of that series because every tip time is ten thirty. Producer Adam reminds us that Jokic is from
2: Serbia, which is a basketball power. So. Um, he's, he's got some real basketball bona fides. That is if he is real. Um, I do believe he may be an AI. Like you said, it, normally I would agree with you on this. Actually, I wouldn't have not used to agree because I've been a night owl my entire adult life. This fourth child, finally, the fourth is what's kind of put a damper on it. So I can't stay up to watch any of these games either. And I'm kind of upset about it. I, I want right. to see, I want to see cat as he's known, um, get five fouls in the first 10 minutes of the game and then sit out for <laughs> four 32 minutes. Um But to be frank, I don't know if I really agree with what you're selling because I know what you were doing this morning, Denny. And you were <laughs> watching <laughs> replays on the Golf Channel. Of course, owned by Comcast. It's a great channel.
3: It is. But it.
2: you couldn't stay up to watch the NBA because you had to wake up to watch a golf replay. Is this true? It, it,
3: yeah. uh Well, look, uh I didn't know we were airing our dirty laundry here. But, yes, um I was watching the the playoff a replay between Jordan Speth and – uh, oh, Matt because Fitzpatrick it's, because it's a playoff, it's okay. Uh, because look, uh, yesterday was Greek Easter, folks. It was Orthodox Easter, as as many of you may know, and uh, there was no time to watch the film as far as golf goes. So I had to I had to grind some film early this morning, aka watch it while I ate hummus and chips.
2: Well, and I think, uh, Denny, not to the people too far behind the curtain, you have informed me that you are wrecked,
3: though. Um, <laughs> I... In so many words. Yeah. Yes. Yes, actually. Yeah. So
2: uh, it's a good thing to power through and do this podcast and, you know, just complain about not being able to stay. So you can barely drink, but you couldn't stay up. Huh? Interesting. Curious.
3: Well, look, when you, when you stop drinking at six o'clock in the evening, you think <laughs> that, true. okay, I, I think I've done the right thing, the responsible thing. But then when you wake up and it's still, you're still not feeling great. You wonder when should, when do I have to stop drinking? And then the answer comes to you. Don't drink. And that's, you you,
2: know, you didn't drink 420 ounces of water.
3: I, oh, no, Pat, I did. I actually, I, I actually drink an unbelievable amount of water and a lot three Gatorades, three full Gatorades. Well, that's uh,
2: who knows what they're putting
3: in these woke beers I'm, that are getting I'm, you all. Um, I'm I'm, uh, I'm suing Gatorade. Yeah, well.
2: suing Gatorade. Um, we are moving on to talk about football. You know, we're in a little lean period. Uh, again, we're just waiting for the draft. We're waiting for Eric Froton's Super Bowl uh, April twenty seventh, twenty ninth in Kansas City, Mo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City is in Missouri. It's not in Kansas. Um, word to the wise. I knew there is a Kansas Minnesota. City, Kansas. That's a suburb that makes it far more confusing. Kansas City Mo, as it's known, but we have a little NFL news before that, beginning with Jalen Hurts becoming now the highest paid quarterback in the NFL by average annual value. And then we weren't quite sure how to frame this, like talking about Hurts, but so first I was to say uh, the premise of my question was to be, so Jalen Hurts is clearly the best quarterback in the NFC, right? There's like not even really like a premise there. Like he just like flatly is the best quarterback in the NFC at this point. So I, I'm just wondering, like, who is the second best quarterback in the <laughs> NFC? I'm sorry. I didn't actually even prepare you for this question, but like, like who is the second best quarterback in the NFC? Cause it's like, like Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. Like who, who is the second best it's, quarterback in the NFC right.
3: right now? It's probably, it's probably Dak. You probably it know.
2: has to be Dak, I think.
3: Um, and then, and then Kirk Cousins. I mean, I mean, cause
2: I mean, like it's Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, no, geno but. smith i mean i'm just gonna go through all stars brock purdy uh desmond ritter question mark Derek carr rookie on the panthers god knows who on the bucks supposedly baker mayfield justin fields could ascend jordan love could ascend jared goff uh don't think he'll be ascending um well but. sam Howell, daniel jones i mean it's, this is like i don't know if i've ever seen a conference down this bad at quarterback
3: yeah, th- I mean, Hertz is like by by far, you know. Uh, cl- clearly, I guess I guess Kyler, uh, in in theory, could be number three.
2: I mean, Kyler is projectable to be the best, but it's still just like all projectable. Oh Kyler. well,
3: no, but and that's not, that has not is
2: Kyler the third best, or is it Kirk Cousins?
3: Ah man, I it's that is that is a tough tough question, and I am I am torn. I w- I will take no pleasure in saying either of these guys. Honestly, um, probably Kyler because of because of the rushing. I mean, basically, the difference between Kyler and Jalen Hurts is that Hurts is big. Oh man, come, come on, man! And I'm I'm you sorry. Just... You you don't draft little guys with in the first round. Just don't do it. Which so, is why yeah, which yeah, is why Bryce no one Young. should be drafting Bryce Young at the, at number one. Come
2: on. Bryce Young, born to play football, shouldn't be drafted, apparently.
3: <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, at all. He should just be all,
2: all 257 picks should just pass him by. Then, if you were just playing for 2023, there's one-year contracts in the entire league. You've got a good overall roster. Would you rather have Kirk Cousins or Justin Fields?
3: Now, that, that's, a, that's a good, I mean, projectable. It, it, we talk, We just talked about projectable. I mean, Justin Fields could be like Jalen Hurts ish. This, is this is just
2: 2023, though. That's the thing. We're not projecting whole careers here. Just 2023. You're trying to win the Super Bowl. Aye, aye. Oh,
3: man. Trying to win this. I've never won your contracts about, for everybody. I never, tr- never even thought about trying to win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I it just want to maximize points. Oh, man uh I, okay i'll I'll, go, I'll actually go with fields i i actually think that his ceiling is just so unbelievable and we know we know what the kirk cousins ceiling is and uh unless he hits that you're not going anywhere even if he does hit that you're still not going anywhere.
2: And i feel like we found with a lot of like dual threats that like they don't take as long to develop as people always seem to assume like if yeah. they're good football players like they were good passers in college justin fields is a Pretty good passer in college, Jalen Hurts. is yes. an underrated passer in college. It turns out it's not like Justin Fields needs like three more years to develop or whatever. Like he could just take another massive step forward
3: Absolutely. in 2023.
2: And I think I would rather just bet on J- Kirk Cousins. It's like even if you give this guy the best roster in the league, I mean, what what do what you what's what are you really getting here?
3: Yeah. You're getting a wild card loss is what you're getting.
2: Yeah, you are. And I mean maybe a divisional round loss. You somehow get the buy. Oh, there's only one buy now. There's no way you're getting no. yeah, you're getting a wild
3: card loss. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. That's it. You you signed up. congratulations, Vikings. You've signed up this year for yet another wild card loss.
2: Yet another wild card loss. So yeah, it is nuts. I mean, we kind of talked about this near the end of the playoffs, though. Um, with the NFC and Jalen Hurts, is it kind of dawned on everyone that he was just like clearly the best quarterback in the NFC? I mean, now that Aaron Rodgers is leaving the NFC, there's literally no comp. Even, there's not even any competition, and Aaron Rodgers in his diminished 2023 state or 2022 state wasn't competition. But Rodgers, if he had stayed, would have been the only one where I feel like you could even like make a case. Like if Aaron Rodgers bounces back this year, yeah.
3: He's the best guess, quarterback in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, just to bring some numbers into it, uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were the only guys with the better adjusted EPA per play than Hertz last year. Like it's it's like, and Hertz was miles above any other NFC quarterback. The rushing plays into that, of course, but I mean, he's you know among the elite of the elite. One thing I have to say about Hertz in this monster deal is that now the Eagles' window on taking advantage of a quarterback on a rookie deal has now shut, right? That doesn't mean they're going to be bad, but here's what it could mean for fantasy. And look, it's April. So we're, we're looking for stuff. We're looking for stuff to talk about. I'm going to give you something to think about Uh, Eagle. The Eagles may not be able to afford the kind of defense that provides Jalen hurts with 100% positive game script and often limits him to three quarters of play in a game because the team is so far ahead.
2: Oh, I see what you're saying.
3: What I'm saying is we may get uh, actual unleashed Jalen Hurts this year.
2: Fantasy supernova Jalen Hurts is what you're saying. Yeah.
3: We've seen the recipe,
2: by the way, when your quarterback is no longer on a rookie deal and is being paid as like one of the three or four best players in the league, like with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes last year, Uh, you just don't have any receivers. And, and has never worked for anyone until it worked for the Chiefs last year. And
3: it's amazing.
2: I'm Not sure it's repeatable for anyone else. In I mean, it's
3: Eagles. it's actually a formula that the Chiefs are using. Where is. They've got zero
2: receiver. Which you know, curious, Denny? All these years, I've told receivers matter so much more than running.
3: Well, backs. no, but here's the here's what the here's what Kansas City's doing. It's zero. They're going zero running back. They're going zero receiver. <laughs> Who are they getting? They're getting going I mean, no zero line. tight end soon. I mean, Travis Kelsey, a year or
2: two left max at this point. It level. just
3: it just honestly, Mahomes is so good that obviously it just doesn't matter. It doesn't and matter. Anybody no. can be catching passes.
2: There is zero difference between good and
3: bad Mahomes things. Um well, there's zero amazing. difference between good and bad receivers when you're when you're talking about Mahomes. That's that was the joke we
2: were going for. Actually, <laughs> there there is this zero difference between good and bad receivers when Patrick Mahomes is delivering them the ball. So uh, Jalen Hurts in the AFC, this would be a much tougher debate. Far and away the best quarterback in the NFC. That's because, like, some of the competition in the NFC is the aforementioned Brock Purdy, a uh, second-year player who was the final pick of the draft, who is recovering from reconstructive elbow surgery, or so we thought. He's now saying he's avoided Tommy John's surgery, yeah. greatly enhancing his odds to start week one, Denny. I was kind of telling you off the air, sometimes in baseball, the guy's like, yeah, I avoided Tommy John. We're good to go. Uh, elbow never gonna hurt again and then they suffer a setback like two months later Ah. but this does seem genuinely different for Brock Purdy. it's also just different stresses on the elbow there's a different kind of injury for him the way he suffered it I don't know if that really matters but they seem genuinely optimistic he'll be throwing before camp Mm. and he'll be ready for week one and just like what does this mean for Trey Lance's 49ers future and really does he even have one it's kind of which again sorry if you're listening to the show and you've heard us talk about this a lot but The same stuff keeps coming up.
3: Look, this is a, I think this is a new and important twist on the 49ers quarterback situation, because you know, as of February and March, really the, the, there were reports and the, the general idea was, Hey, Brock Purdy will be back. It won't be week one. It might not be week four. It might be the second half of the season. So, you know, it might, it could be a lot of Darnold. It could be Lance. They could be splitting, you know, d- starting duties. Who knows? So uh, now we have this update and I, I do think it's an important one, even though uh, if, if this follows the baseball example, Purdy could be not in the clear completely. Um, I, I think it increases the chances that Trey Lance is not a 49er to come this, this coming season uh, I think there are enough teams out there who would make a deal, who would acquire Trey Lance uh, for the for the potential, and I, and I think that that I know it's funny to say, but like I think Sam Darnold is fine for that for that Shanahan he system. Is. I it's think crazy. that he can slot in and start two, three, four games if he has to with, with to, until Purdy gets <laughs> right. But the team is is very clearly out on Trey Lance.
2: I think people might take umbrage with like both these premises, like, hey, the 49ers are just totally out on Trey Lance, or B, that there would be a market for him. But just to the first point, and the 49ers being out on Lance, it's just, it, it, they, they basically have come as close to coming out and saying it as you do on football. You never actually just say right. it, unless you're Sean McVay talking about Jared Goff. He did just come out and say it. <laughs> <That> <laughs> he was, came out and said it. Uh, yeah. That was the one time ever. But the 49ers, they just like, the the body it's like like it's classic like you turn on cable news you need to bring in a body language expert oh, yeah. like 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 why does John Lynch look like he's about to deliver the worries like telling an entire family of nine people they all have cancer when he talks about <laughs> Trey Lance like that seems bad uh, normally the body language would be better from a GM talking about the quarterback and
3: uh, look like they uh, yeah you go <laughs> we're, listen we're we're three weeks removed from Kyle Shanahan saying that Sam Darnold and Trey Lance would split first team reps yeah. this off season. Okay. Let's not forget that. That's an important development here. Yeah. Okay. They're out. They're out on Trey Lance. Trey Lance, I think will be playing for another team and maybe, and you know, not maybe that is good for fantasy. That is good. Get this guy under center for somebody.
2: It is. And so you may be wondering like how, if like the quarterback grew, Kyle Shanahan has announced the league that he's just done a Trey Lance. Basically. Why would anyone want him? It's because going back to this conversation about just the NFC, I mean, th- this quarterback situation is just dire. There are so many teams that need more upside at quarterback, and it's a huge red flag that, like, the quarterback guru himself, Kyle Shannon, after, like, two games of Trey Lance, like, I'm out. He's <laughs> like, I can't do it.
3: Like, he's, that is a
2: bad sign.
3: He but has seen enough. He's seen enough.
2: He's seen enough, but someone can offer a second and fourth-round pick for this guy still. He's still very oh, yeah. young. Sure. Still very projectable. That's the problem with Trey Lance. Is it's always just been projectable, but uh, it just, yeah. It, tra- Sam Darnold, like say what you will about Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold did not sign in free agency thinking there was any chance he was going to be the number three quarterback. Like he just didn't do right. that. Right. He did not exactly. sign with the 49ers thinking like, I might be the number three if I'm here to compete for the number two job. Like, cause there were lots of places he could have gone for a guaranteed number two job. I, I just feel like there's absolutely no way he would have signed, thinking there, that he was not at least the number two quarterback.
3: I uh, Sam Darnold could start for at least three teams.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 oh I don't know about that. I, yeah. I
3: reflexively said, "Yeah, yeah." Wait, no. no look, <laughs> he start. He's starting for the Bucks. All right. Um, is he? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, we already seen? Wasn't he on the same team as Baker? La- I guess he was a lot better than Baker last year. He's starting. <laughs> yeah, he's starting for Atlanta. Starting for Atlanta. That's true. Maybe that's it. <laughs> two. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I took a, took a drink of coffee. there. Pat almost sprayed coffee all over his microphone, folks.
2: Thankfully, uh, it made it down, though. It made it, made it down. Um, so, I, yeah. But anyways, he didn't sign anything. He's going to be the number two. Just, this didn't happen. For whatever reason, it didn't work with Trey Lance in San Francisco. Uh, maybe because he's barely played football since he was in high school but he will be moving on. The 49ers are moving on. Real quick, we're getting close to Froton. Yeah. Two quick things to, to, to check on here. ESPN's John Keim, very plugged-in Commanders reporter, seems to think the Commanders are going with Sam Howell in 2023. Danny, you think this is a misdirection ploy? You still think it's another man by the name of Jacoby Brissett?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, and, and I blame you actually. Uh, you know, poisoning I was, the well around Sam Howell. I was yes, I was in. I was in on the. I was on the Howell train. Okay, and uh, the train straight to Howell. And I'm sorry. Uh, and then, uh, I, and then I like it.
2: Straight to Howell. It's where we sent him.
3: You pointed out that Jacoby Brissett was good last year for the Browns, and you pointed out that uh, Ron Rivera likes his veterans, and that is true. And uh, I also
2: pointed out the same house, not good.
3: And you also said that. Uh, yes. And, and here, but here's the thing is I've looked into your claim. That Jacoby Brissett was good last season.
2: Hold on, hold, don't make people think I was like talking up Jacoby Brissett or whatever.
3: You um, said that he was the best AFC quarterback, correct?
2: Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't know. We've all discussed that he was better than we would have expected
3: all right. last year. Well, especially I'm, kind trying, I'm trying to promote some content, Pat. So promote. Um, I have some some uh, EPA surprises. Uh, expected points added. Uh, surprises coming up on our website on Tuesday. And and part of that is how good the Browns were with Jacoby Brissett under center last year, way better than with Deshaun Watson. And, and I, so I, I do think that there, that in the end, I don't think how can wrestle this job away from Brissett. I think that even if the commanders want to, even if the commanders desperately like want to rig the game, we've seen this before. I think eventually Ron Rivera's, you know, who's going to be fighting for his, uh, his job That's is going to say, "Oh no, we're going with the the slightly more boring veteran."
2: That's the thing. Ron Rivera is especially new ownership group coming in. Like he's fighting for his coaching life, and I somehow had not realized just how bad Ron Rivera's overall resume had, was until I did my coach rankings. Oh yeah, this year where he's won more than he's he's had a winning percentage better than five hundred three times in twelve NFL seasons. He's won a playoff game two of those 12 years. Wow. One year is when they went 7 8 and 1 and beat Ryan Lindley in the Cardinals in the playoffs. He just has not had any success as an NFL coach, basically. He seems, and, like, he
3: seems like a great guy. Really? That's the
2: thing. The reason he keeps, keeps his job is because he's an amazing leader. And yeah. especially at a place like Washington that's had zero leadership, he keeps his job because he is a good defensive coach and is a very, very good leader. But the team's underachieve, and on offense, as we know, it's just a disaster, ongoing disaster. He made the playoffs three times in nine years with Cam Newton. Like,
3: yeah, it's not that's that's not not a lot, not a lot.
2: That's unacceptable.
3: Uh, On February twenty eighth, Ron Rivera said, "Sam Howell is quote not our starter." And (laughs) (laughs) on on, on March eighth, on March eighth. Ron Ferris said, if a veteran quarterback beats out Sam Howell for the week one starting job, quote, so be it. <laughs> wow. So, all right. Come on, man. Sam Howell's not starting for this team. He's came no out
2: way. and said it too. Wow. All right. Uh, yeah. Proton has been ever ready in the background, but you, yeah. you had a chosen Anderson stat. You wanted to yeah. Chosen, formerly known as Robbie. Yeah. Now on the Miami Dolphins, coming off a calamitous 2022. Yeah.
3: There's not there's nothing to see here because uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle take up all of the offensive oxygen. Waddle and Hill combined for fifty-five percent of Miami's targets and sixty-eight percent of the team's air yards last season. Trent Sherfield, now of the Bills, was third uh, on the on the Dolphins with an eleven percent target share and a ten percent air yard share that came out to about three targets and thirty air yards, folks. Per per game, so there's no, there's just nothing there for anybody else. Uh, so congratulations to Chosen Anderson for being on a team where he will never see the ball.
2: I would like to be chosen by Mike McDaniel, though. Um, that would be good.
3: I mean, I, I would feel it mean, would
2: feel chosen, to be honest.
3: Look, if there's an injury to one of these guys, maybe the chosen one comes in. We'll see.
2: I would feel delivered. I would feel saved. Um, Or some of the other concepts they taught you in high school, Denny.
3: (laughs) Well, that's another podcast.
2: That's another podcast. And we're going to be back with the second half of this podcast and Eric Froton talking day two and three running back and receiver prospects who will not be entirely scheme dependent right after this. Every season is draft season. Get your Roto-World draft guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. They're packed with profiles, rankings, and projections. Order today and get all three RotoWorld draft guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry to save an extra 20% off at checkout. That is promo code B E R R Y to save an extra 20% off at checkout. And don't forget, download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players in your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It is available in your app store today.
0: At Delta, we know Mike and 8 prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. <laughs>
2: We're back with Denny and we're back with once I click this button, Eric Froton. Fro-
0: Froton. <laughs> gentlemen. Gentlemen, I
2: gotta say, Denny,
4: a little disappointed here. I know it's bad form to come over here and correct the hosts. However, with Sam, highway to howl right there for you, Denny. A <laughs> little disappointed.
3: Oh, Proton really embarrassed. I'm embarrassed.
2: It all comes back to music with Froton, who of course And one of the the indelible moments of both Denny and Eric's life in Canton, (laughs) Ohio, last August, when they they frankly burned the roadhouse down with a (laughs) duet of David Bowie and Queens under pressure.
3: That's correct. Fair but accurate. It was a great moment. And I and I appreciate Eric, uh, you know, unrelentingly pressuring me to to, to get up on that stage and do it because it, it ended up okay. It's not something that I usually do, and I want to tell you, Eric. I tried to do that sh- that that song with my son, my ten year old son, at a recent oh. karaoke night, and he refused. He refused, and he said, "I I can't I can't live up to to Eric Froton. You
4: know? Oh wow!
2: And <laughs> you, you did the Freddie Mercury part right? No, um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, but hey, but, yeah. but,
3: but er- Eric killed that part. Yeah.
2: See, Eric has big Freddie Mercury energy. He can pull that off. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, sure. Uh, Eric's a front man, is what I'm saying. He's a front man.
4: I think that's, I think that's a fair statement. Uh, you know, just stepping out, much like Joe Jackson, another favorite of Denny's up on mm-hmm. the stage. But And we're looking to hopefully, uh, you know, at the Fantasy Football Expo again this year, be able to regale the crowd once again with our melodic voices, Denny. I hope that happens again this year.
2: Well, you're trying to get a special event set up in Canton Square,
4: are you not? I'm working the back channels as we speak. Uh, (laughs) I I did get some information on on Canton Square. There is a um, a decibel level that cannot be broached after a certain (laughs) time. I think it's safe to say with myself and Denny up there on the stage, we would have broken it. So we may have to bring that to an indoor uh, venue, unfortunately.
3: I, I am – whatever happens here, I am going to require 2.5 hard seltzers to – <laughs> <life.
2: laughs> 2.75, yeah. just, to be, let's, let's just up, to be safe. Shake up. Shake up the sleepy Midwestern town. Uh, let's shake up this podcast because the draft, 10 days away, hard to believe. Talked the draft last Thursday with Connor Rogers. and going to talk the draft this Thursday with Danny Kelly. We had to talk with Eric Froton at least once. Uh, maybe more, Eric. Uh,
4: Hey, I'm but, always available for both of you, the Galaxy that's brands. True,
2: that's true, the Brains. You're, Proton's always down for some brain expansion. Oh, are we are going to have to get brain expansion-y? Because you you wanted to go off the board a little. You said you didn't want to do just the blue chip big-name prospects. You wanted to talk some day two or three people. Yeah. So let's get right to Who is a day two or three receiver or running back? And it doesn't have to necessarily fit our premise of a guy who's scheme-dependent. Or like a landing spot, not landing spot dependent. Could be someone you really, really like. Who's the first day or two, three guy you want to talk about?
4: I want to talk about a guy that I had in my top 10 before the national scouting combine. I was the only person and I looked at every single set of rankings I could find. You know, I did. I couldn't find anybody that had this particular gentleman in their top 10. now he's the trendy breakout sleeper. My man. Starving Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, the all time Texas single season leading high school receiver in the nation, not just Texas, in the whole entire nation. Nobody has ever had more receiving yards in a single season than Marvin Mims. And unfortunately, um, you know, it came to him going to Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley's system there with the Sooners. He came out and had a legitimate breakout year one with 700 plus yards, but then in year two, he He pretty much stayed at that production level, and it caused some people to be a little bit down on him. But it isn't so much him. We'll get into, as you talked about, scheme dependent. And that's something that happened to Jordan Addison this year where he went to USC under Lincoln Riley where, hey, they spread the ball around a little bit. It doesn't matter that you have the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, there distributing the ball, who's as good as you're going to get at the quarterback position. The way that he does things is you're going to, there's going to be a a spread uh, of sorts. So um, that was what affected Mims in year two at Oklahoma, where he wasn't that true alpha that the dominator rating uh, folks really want to see. Now, with Mims, though, it's all about what he did with his opportunities. 16.2% of his receptions since 2021 went for 40 or more yards. Number one in the nation in that. Uh, stat number two was Jalen Hyatt, another 2023 receiver, but he was running. Days, folks. Yep, yep, absolutely. But he was the thing is with Hyatt, he's running bare naked down the the on slot, you know, flies that you just don't see in the NFL. You can not to see slot flies that it stop it. So <laughs> I feel like what Mims <laughs> does certainly projects a lot better than what you see from Hyatt. Uh, and as the draft process kind of go along, you see everybody kind of coming and coming along. The world Froton was pre combine, which is. Our Mims is better than Jalen Hyatt, okay? Everybody needs to understand that. If it weren't for Cedric Tillman getting injured, you wouldn't even know who Jalen Hyatt is. That's another big favorite of mine, Cedric Tillman. But then with Mims, too, 13.5 yards per target since 2021 in the last two years. Again, number one in the FBS. He got more targets this year at Oklahoma where Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator coming in uh, from Ole Miss the previous season where he picks a guy and he gets some more volume. Even so – 87 targets is what we got out of Mims. He, barely even, he had the least targets of any 1,000-yard receiver in the entire country. So it just goes to show what he's able to do with those options. And mm-hmm. he wins downfield. He ran a 43840. 40 His athletic profile was sensational, 95th percentile. It, everything that you look at from Mims, be it when the ball is in the air, be it when he has the ball in his hands, he can do it. I think he's probably, he's my five right now. And uh, I think he's being drastically undervalued.
3: Can I uh, say something that I know about Marvin Mims is that he, he has the misfortune maybe of being the analytics darling of this uh, mm-hmm. uh, draft class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. part, part, yeah, part part of the reason here is that as a, as an 18 year old true freshman, he had a yards per route run of over four. That was good for a top 10 mark of any FBS Wide receiver since 2015. So I mean, like outra- outrageously efficient on his on his targets, like you just said, Eric. So I, I'm I'm very excited. I'm 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 getting I'm getting him in a lot of best ball drafts right now for free because he has not been drafted. I think that changes when he's drafted.
2: Eric, there's no chance he sneaks into the first round, right? Um...
4: I'm personally, as you know, I'm kind of on the gambling front here when it comes to the marketplaces. The uh, the market opened at four and a half wide receivers to be taken in round one. That has since dipped to three and a half. And uh, I think you're probably still even looking under because you got the, you know, you got the the big three with JSN, uh, you know, Quentin Johnson, you have uh, Addison, possibly, say, Flowers. Those are really the four with maybe Hyatt squeaking in. I think Hyatt's out, but I'm still a little bit under on that. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say you don't see Mims and he's more of a, you know, mid, Day two selection, mid-round mid, mid round two selection.
2: Well, final thing on Mims, I know in 2021, Oklahoma kind of had like quarterback chaos. I mean, 2022, is like Dylan Gabriel even good? Like what's what – was, that was the Oklahoma quarterback, right? Am I making that up?
4: Big adjustment for Mr. Gabriel going from UCF to the Power Five level. Uh, he's very small. So he took a beating back there. Uh, missed a little bit of time. Obviously, that's going to hurt your – you know, you're uh, for the wide receiver, his production, but no, Dylan Gabriel does not have an NFL caliber arm. He would be on the very low end.
2: Oh, Eric Froton has disappeared and
4: lost.
2: Uh, we've lost Eric Froton. And real quick, when I say quarterback chaos at Oklahoma, uh, part of that included Caleb Williams, who came in and was instantly amazing in 2021. Um, but what was the name of the man that Caleb Williams replaced in 2021, Eric? Uh, who transferred then last year to I believe South Carolina? Who was the? That, uh, that was Spencer
4: Rattler. Yes, he was the 20 the 2019 QB one. And to prove just what a volatile market the Devi College uh, Campus to Canton space is, two years ago I did a Campus to Canton league right before the season started, and that's only two years. The top five quarterbacks were in order: Spencer Rattler, DJ Uyengalilay. Your boy, Sam Howell, uh, uh, Malik Willis, and Matt Corral. Those are the top five QBs two years ago. The sixth one taken was Bryce Young, but it goes to show just how volatile that QB market can be. Yeah, I was
2: pointing out when you briefly dropped out, Eric, when I said quarterback chaos in 2021, I didn't mean to say it was a bad thing that Caleb Williams was uh, briefly Marvin Mims' quarterback.
4: Not a bad thing at all. In fact, it was more than briefly, because Spencer Rattler, he was replaced in uh, week three. Wasn't it like the
2: K-State game? game? Isn't that where the revolution took out? Oh, no, no, no.
4: It was the Red River game. It was against Texas. Finally, they had to say, all right, enough, Spencer Rattler, enough. In comes Caleb Williams, leads him to victory, and the rest is legitimately history. Fortunately, now he's out here on the West Coast where he belongs. See, I time.
2: wouldn't be upset at all if I rooted for a college to have Caleb Williams and then he transferred no. because of the NIL. I wouldn't
3: this, this is another this is another issue. I've i never seen Caleb Williams play because all his games start at <laughs> 11 p.m. You know, East Coast bias. Yeah, yeah, right. It is. It is East Coast bias, you know, <laughs> USC quarterback. Okay, if you say yeah. so. Uh, it's
2: fictitious. And it was fake. Uh, so we made it up.
3: More okay.
4: fake
2: so Marvin Mims, guy we love to talk about. Who is the second guy you want to talk about today, Eric?
4: Another player that I've been dying to talk about uh, that is a wide out that, you know, has, has seen his star rise a little bit in the postseason. It's somebody that I've had in college fantasy for the past four years, Jonathan Mingo. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like about Mingo is, you know, there aren't a lot of human beings that are six foot two, 220 pounds that can move with the fluidity. That you see Except for Denny,
2: Denny. Can't.
4: Except for Denny, you know. Um, but you know, it's funny when Denny was talking about how, how Bryce Young is just simply too small to be a quarterback. I thought that was a little bit of projection based on his performance oh, at the fantasy oh, football. Oh, but, was that was that what there was coming from? Okay, I, back to Jonathan Mingo. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Denny. Uh, I will,
3: I blame it on Pat.
4: It was, bad. badics, I, it was I, a
3: miscommunication.
2: We we didn't practice throughout enough.
4: That's I just,
3: need I need a receiver upgrade. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, was, yes. I was singled up on the outside. I didn't second. cut the route off. I needed to
4: cut the route off. Uh,
3: for a time, I, I think about the fact that I didn't throw it to you at least once a day.
4: So. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. Well, that's why next time, you know, when you have your own personal Jonathan Mingo, that's what we're here to do. And I do feel like my skill set is similar to Mr. Mingo 62220, like myself. Yes. <laughs> but you know, uh running a 446, which is a 94th percentile. 40-yard dash, um, 22 bench reps. That's about as good as you're going to find for a wide receiver. And acceleration, you know, the 1-5-2-10-yard split, which, again, 94th percentile, that shows up on tape. Because what they did a lot with him is almost like a modified version of what they did with A.J. Brown, another old Miss wide receiver. You see some of the, the principles with Drake London. What, what USC and Graham Harrell would do with him is that simply he'd have that little quick hitch. And then he turned right away and it's him faced up, you know, face up with a smaller cornerback. And he just proceeds to take his, you know, head and shove him in the ground, take his lunch money and go for a first down. And you saw a lot of that with Mingo because, uh, you know, he's very shifty despite being 220. You know, he had an 80th percentile three cone, which is not something you see from those guys. Huge hands. Um, but he, his hands, he's a hands catcher. He's not letting the ball come into his body like a fellow big receiver of this class, the, the most premier one, Quentin Johnson. You see a lot of his downfield reps where he's trying to win as opposed to going up and getting it, he's letting it come into his body. And that's something that, that is certainly like the anti-Mingo because it's not only what he high points they really like about Mingo, but you see him go down and make some really tough catches thanks to Jackson Dart's ill-equipped arm this season he had to catch a lot of low passes that he probably should have been on the money but you see him making those adjustments and it's not it's hard for those taller guys to get down there and and really scrape the grass and make those casts. and you saw probably about a half dozen of them this season where he was able to make that the under adjustment not just high pointing so um I just think even though he isn't doing the most varied route tree Everything he did, different alignments, 55% outside, 35% inside, even 10% in the line. So you could kind of use his size on crackbacks. Uh, just so much that so much potential in a class that is stocked at the top with smaller wide receivers, the Downses, yeah. the Flowers. Mims deserves to be there. High smaller. Obviously, JSN. Um look at look at Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison is 50 pounds lighter than Jonathan Mingo and Jonathan Mingo ran a faster 40. So at at some level, it comes down to athleticism and the way they were used. And I think that you give the opportunity to Mingo, he could really make the most of it.
3: So Mingo looks, looks the part of, of an alpha type receiver, like traditional alpha receiver in the NFL. And he knows what
2: an alpha looks like.
3: I do. I I, I, as, as one, I know I can recognize another. uh, And, uh, you know, the relative athletic score is something we've cited a lot over the past few weeks. Our uh, RAS, the kids are calling it. Uh, Jonathan Mingo scored a 9.86 on RAS out of a possible 10 that ranked 44th out of get this, guys, 44th out of 3,011 receivers measured in RAS from 1987 to 2023. So he is he is at the tippy, tippy, tippy top. As far as athleticism goes, I, I would think that some team is going to be interested in that, right? I mean, come on.
2: Well, Eric, why didn't Mingo produce more? I and mean, Did he have injury problems? Did he have any suspension <laughs> issues? Because it was seven games, eight games, six games for finally 13 last year. So excuse me for not – pardon me for just not knowing his history, but was it injury issues? What
4: was it? How dare you, Pat? But, yeah, a lot of it does come with Hughes banged up a lot. Um, and also, you know, with Ole Miss, you got the lane train rolling into town with Lane Kiffin, and uh, they they had a hierarchy. You know, in 2021, Dontario Drummond ran the slot, and in that particular system, the slot receiver just got most of the work. And especially with Matt Corral delivering the ball, not known for his prodigious arm strength. You know, he, he saw the ball, saw the field pretty well in the middle, and he would just tend to do that. That's where the hot reads were going was that slot receiver. And it's like you're talking about a guy with the Ontario J- Drummond who ran a 4-6-5-40, and it was a college slot receiver that had a 1,000 th- yards. So where you have a freak like Mingo on the other side, um, also another uh, outside wide receiver, Braylon Sanders, who I think ended up for a little while with the Dolphins, he ran like a sub 4 four forty. So they had the real speed on the outside, and he had the freak with Mingo, but the offense would funnel a lot of the passes to the middle. When Mingo got the opportunity and you see him catch the ball, if you watch the full breadth of him catching passes, you see the fluidity is there. It's just the role in the offense wasn't, it just wasn't suited to him. And then you throw on the fact that he was injured, uh, like you said, you know, for at least a third of the season uh, for those first three years, and he never got the opportunity to develop. However, last year at the combine, I talked to Braylon Sanders and Ontario Drummond and asked them, you know, who's the next guy at Ole Miss? And both of them, we're very adamant saying, look, you guys, wait until you see Jonathan Mingo. He was hurt this year, but he is coming. And when you hear alphas, you know, uh, talk about another guy like that, and Danny knows what it's like I to be know. I know, Absolutely. Uh, you you know, hear right? him talk about a teammate like that, that's somebody to pay attention to, and pff, their prediction came true.
2: See, so Jonathan Mingo, too, four years of college experience, and he's, still, he's not turning 22 until this week. So 22, you know, that we're not saying he's, like, young for a prospect, but, I mean, still a guy with a lot of experience who is not – a lot of times now, like, if you're a four-year guy, you're coming in, you're like 23, 24 uh, a
4: lot of times it seems like. Right. So, yeah, Will Levis style. Yeah,
2: exactly. So he's still projectable. Jonathan Mingo, what's your best guess for what round Jonathan Mingo goes in?
4: I think he's – I'd love to see him go round three and slide into that. You know, that's that would, that would be nice just for Mr. Mingo. I think he deserves it. But I, I think realistically you're looking at – Early day four, I could not see him go. I think he's a solid third, fourth rounder. I don't think he makes it to the fifth.
2: That that makes a lot of sense because teams will have the same questions I just did from just from like lightly perusing his sports reference. Like, oh, curious, didn't command more targets. Um, And we know that it's a loaded receiver group year in and year out down in Oxford. But, uh, you know, I thought target commanding was a skill, I was told.
3: Sure, do you think – do you think just just real quick on on a guy like Mingo, a, larger, a bigger receiver? Do you think the direction the NFL is going, where it seems like every like hyper productive receiver is of a certain size, and by of a certain size, I mean 5'10", 185 pounds, podcaster do, size. Do, do, do you think uh, that he's he could be like outdated for the current NFL in any way?
4: Uh, well, that is you know sort of the the question. Because as you see, and as I sort of alluded to, most of the guys who are the highest ranked guys in this class are the smaller receivers who yeah. excel at separating, you know, in one form or another, be it acceleration, deceleration, um, craftiness, you know, Josh Downs is another one who is certainly in that, that mix. Um, so that sort of shows the value that teams are placing on the ability to simply separate and be able to create space and then, yeah, you know, like it's it's the Tyreek Hill model. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants that form of a receiver yeah. now. They see it, it's like, oh my gosh, look at what he can do. He takes the top off. You get him in space, you know, all that. Um, so I, I think you definitely see a tilting towards that because you never saw receivers that are 175 pounds or under be prioritized. It was pretty much the first guy was Dante Smith. I mean Devonte Smith, excuse me, uh, a couple years ago, and he succeeded. So it's almost like it's become okay to prioritize those smaller wideouts now, or not even smaller, but like thinner. But because of that, I think that you're missing some opportunities with the Cedric Tillmans, the, uh, you know, the Mingos, another guy like Michael Wilson is another guy that I really think is a, is a solid sleeper who dominated upper echelon competition at the senior bowl. You saw him being able to get free and be able to get on top of, of, um, you know, other defenders, even Mm -hmm. though he's a four five eight. Uh, 40 guy, you see his three come, you see his breaks, you see savvy, uh Stanford kid and student of the game. And another thing, he didn't he barely played four games a year up until this season. Even this season, he played four games. He only played in 2019. It was the only time he played a, a double-digit uh season? So right. there's concerns about him with his body. Can he absorb that? You know, so that's a concern. Now, another big receiver that I love, I really loved. It's more like the fifth, sixth, seventh. Matt Landers from Arkansas, former Georgia commit, four-star, wasn't getting the playing time he wanted behind George Pickens, understandably, goes over to Toledo, has a 4.3 yards per route. You know, he played like five games down the stretch in 2021. He dominated the MAC. Transfers over to Arkansas to to take over for Traylon Burks, and Mm -hmm. he is that outside threat. He had a 30% broken tackle rate, even though his BMI isn't what you consider perfect at 6'4", 300 pounds, but he was there. You know, 2.33 yards per route. Um, second highest passer rating when targeted in the country, Matt Landers. Wow. Okay? So right. you're talking about a 61% downfield catch rate. He can high point. He has the athleticism. Again, another you want to talk about is RAS score. Sky-high RAS score in the 95th percentile. So – um, all the things that you're searching for that I'm talking about that Mingo has. Look, you got Matt Landers as well, who's a fifth, sixth round guy. And I see him as an Isaiah Hodgins type guy. You give him a couple years in the yep. practice squad. You let him grow into his body like you saw with Isaiah Hodgins, who was another big favorite of mine. He had to get out of Buffalo. He's with the Giants now when he got that second contract. That's who I think Landers could be.
3: I'm in. I'm in on Landers. You,
2: you've convinced me. You said, by the way, if Eric, you said 300 pounds. I'm hoping you meant 200
4: pounds. I meant 200. <laughs> I meant 200 pounds, not a three tech. No, Six, no, no. four,
2: 300 pounds as a receiver. I'd be that's down that, to be
3: I was yeah. like, I, that's interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued. What are we <laughs> okay, talking that,
2: about? I think the, the rolling ball of butcher knives would be coming to life. <laughs> right,
4: right.
3: Uh, thought,
4: you thought Darnell Washington was a freak. And, and, yeah. yeah. So, think uh, again.
2: Eric, we've got we've got time for a few more players. Any, any running backs on day two or three, and you, we you can get to another receiver too if you want. But any running backs on day two or three that you are just loving?
4: Sure. I mean, I, I would yeah. Know, I tried to I tried to clear up my receivers with that last little flurry, but I would say maybe Bryce Ford Wheaton too. You could throw in there as another big guy who's freaky that isn't Quentin Johnson. Um, you know, who I think is a little overrated compared to the relative skill set of these other bigger wide receivers. I think you can get what what QJ provides. Down the board, so I will. I will leave that as my last soliloquy to the wideouts. Next, uh, running backs. I got a guy that I was high. I mean, anybody yeah, yeah. who is a college guy, anybody who is into you know the scouting of freshmen knows Zach Evans, uh, formerly of TCU, now graduated from Old Miss. I'm not graduated, but left Old Miss a uh, former five-star premium premium prospect was committed to Georgia had a tumultuous recruitment process and kind of, you know, ended up at TCU after the spring is a very rare sort of thing. They gave him eligibility. And even though he, again, injuries kept kind of cropped up with him. He had a Liz Frank issue in 2021 uh, kind of, you know, this year with Ole Miss Quinchon Judkins, who you will definitely be hearing about as the next B. John Robinson type uh, after, Raheem Sanders next year, he kind of took over the short, short yardage and bell cow work for Ole Miss. But you look at Evans. You could probably get him the fourth, fifth round at this, pl- at this point. Um, in terms of his explosiveness, no other running back in this class is more explosive than Zach Evans on a per-carry basis. 22% of his carries went for 10-plus yards. One out of every four? That's insane. You don't see that anywhere. He led the nation in that stat. Additionally, he runs strong. He runs, you know, uh, with power. 35% of his carries over the last two seasons went for first downs, okay, athletically, where I think he really took a ding in the early part. In this evaluation process, he went in the combine and weighed in at 202 after he was listed around 215. Mm. Traditionally, all throughout college, and you never know what these guys are going to weigh in. It's 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 a fool's errand. But he waited in at two hundred two at the combine and didn't run, which had people saying, "All right, well, what's going on here?" You know, this, he was lifted at two fifteen. He's two hundred two, little concern. He goes to his pro day, right? Shows up at two hundred eight. Now that's in line with Tank Bigsby, who was two hundred nine. Um, I want my running backs in the two ten at least to preferably two fifteen range. I think. You know, he's young. He's in that just sub 21 or right in the 21 years old range. He's a three-year guy, Evans. I think you see him get to the 210, 215 range comfortably in his NFL career as he ages. He shows up at 208. He runs a 4'5 flat. Okay, really good mark, 89th percentile. Does a 6.89 three comb, which is anything under seven seconds, is excellent. Um, does that, that's a 90th percentile mark. And he's got 10.25 inch hands, got big old hands that help with the, the receiving. I've seen him. He can catch. He can do the between the tackles work. He's instinctive. He follows his blocks, and just, just simply the eyeball test of me watching him for the last three years. This guy can do it, okay. And if you're taking him in the fourth, fifth round, which is where I think he's going right now, I can't believe it because I have him, you know, as a top ten RB, and you're seeing him in the in the RB fifteen. I think he's probably RB seven. I think that's just phenomenal, phenomenal value. And I went out and, t- and bought his Bowman U autograph. <laughs> One of five red. Two days ago, it's for sixty-four bucks. Great deal. So money, money, meat, mouth.
3: Man, that, that, that's good stuff. You know, I, just just to kind of connect the dots for the listeners uh, who may not like be eyeball deep in in, in draft analysis. I, I do think that you know these these kind of running backs that that Eric's talking about are the are the kind of guys who you want to pay attention to where they land. I know we're talking about landing spot independent, but you want to make sure that you know, hey, this guy, this guy's third, fourth on the depth chart in Tampa, or wh- wherever it is, to make sure that you know you can scoop them up. It, it, whether you are doing best ball, whether you are doing early drafts, whatever dynasty, uh, to make sure that you 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 know, like it's like a good process. Like, okay, this guy blew it away athletically, great production. I am gonna take a I am gonna take a flyer on him. It doesn't hurt, you know. So th- this is great information to sort of connect those dots. I think.
2: And yeah, Eric, you referenced he he doesn't turn 22 until May 30th. So again, there's some guys who will play the rookie year at age 21, but he's gonna be a young 22 as a rookie. The only thing you said you said you like his his pass catching So Why why didn't he catch more passes? I think season career high was 12 last year for Ole Miss.
4: Yeah, I mean system TCU and Ole Miss don't throw to the running backs, but if you look on tape, you know as watched them over the years. Uh, he has that, but he can do it. You know, I've seen him catch passes, and you know, the old, you're running out and you have to do the twist. Oh, it's behind me. And he got plenty of poor passes from Max Duggan. That wasn't a problem. Uh, so if you look at the next thing we even going to talk about, Kendra Miller, uh, who was at TCU, his backfield mate, it was the same situation with him. They just don't throw in their system to running backs, so he just didn't have the kind of tape with it. And then again, with evans uh Quinshawn judkins is a true freshman came out and he is the 2025 you know dominant primordial beast jack london style so you're gonna be hearing plenty of quincon judkins and he took a lot of that work you know from evans that, that every down work so they kind of have you know like a, a 1a 1b scenario it just wasn't his role so uh, that's why i kind of wanted to accentuate his hands to so you say look he's got huge hands you know we heard all about I, like the the last cycle of oh my god Traylon Brooks his hands are so big they have to get 4x hands and they measured it and he was sub 10 inches it's like okay come on <laughs> if you have 10 plus inch hands uh, he does I I that I give it a little bump in the uh, third receiving game since we didn't get to see it much but you know, that's how it goes
2: and we've learned too the college receiving numbers don't necessarily mean anything for a lot of these guys Cause like you said so much of it is system based and so much of it is too they could be a good pass catcher. They're playing at like a blue chip school that has three or four, four or five star running backs and they just don't get the opportunity to do it. Um, so, yeah, the numbers can very much lie when it comes to collegiate running back receptions. So, Kendra Miller, TCU, the next guy you want to talk about? Kendra Miller,
4: TCU, will go, uh, go to the Big 12 here. Uh, his former backfield mate, 5'11", 215. He didn't get a chance to test because he got hurt late in the season. Which really hurt TCU against Georgia because they had to start a backup running back. You Miami mean that Colorado. that scrimmage?
2: A, that scrimmage
4: uh, you got. You Where know, a D
2: one team played an FCS team.
4: Oh, it, the semifinals were the <laughs> real games. Those two were great. You were. I, mean. I can't speak to the conference, the champ. Anyways, uh, Kendrick Miller in 2021, like a big reason why Zach Evans transferred out is because he just couldn't shake Miller. Um, in terms of the per carry basis again it was a 1a and 1b scenario so with him uh, 181 pff elusiveness rating in 2021 that's the second highest mark in the entire country and that's something that's really important because breaking tackles uh you know deceptiveness those are traits that simply they translate extremely well to the next level and another thing that really does as well uh yards after contact and you know Miller led the entire country in 2021 in yak on a per carry basis. So um, it's 5'11, 215. Jack. So he's not just avoiding tackles; he is breaking tackles, yeah. and that's another you know important distinction because the little guys will avoid them. He did a little bit of both. Now, um, when it comes to his ability between the tackles, which is really what his role is going to be at the next level, he is. He I don't think he has the three down upside you see of Evans, but um, he's excellent. He's a home run threat, okay? In terms of his ability to run is another important mark. 18 rushes of 20-plus yards each in the past two seasons, okay? That's a top 10 mark, FBS-wise. Uh, short yardage, 11 touchdowns on 30 red zone carries. That's the fifth best rate in the country, as well as a one touchdown per 12 carry average Best mark in the entire country over the last two years. So his productivity, his ability to get the tough yards and grind, it's there. He doesn't pass block well. Very poor. I uh, definitely shows up on <laughs> tape. Uh, third down ability. Probably not so much. Didn't really do much again in the passing game. I don't know. Could he be Kenneth Walker? And it's just a case of having not done it? Yes. But I do think he's a little, you know, uh, his hips aren't as fluid as Evan's could be an issue into a two down situation. But we're looking at a potential, you know, probably being in the fifth round here, you know, fourth, fifth round for Miller. You know, maybe even slide up into the third, kind of like you saw Tyrion Davis Price do last year. You know, if somebody falls in love with him.
2: Oh, but so it for, could be the the guy that Channy like drafts yes. two rounds too early.
4: It's that's his thing. It's the it's the uh Elijah Mitchell and yeah. then Tyrion Davis Price. That's it, it I, is a thing now. I want
3: to say I want to say folks if you didn't know Eric Froton was on Elijah Mitchell before it was cool to be on Elijah Mitchell. And, and I, and I know now Mitchell sharing the backfield with CMC or whatever, I get it. But, but, but he had that, that breakout as a rookie, and and Froton, he was he was on his rooftop. Please listen to me about about Mitchell. You may and think I was, that's a metaphor. It's not. That's Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we actually, I have an eleven minute video of, of him on his roof and, uh, and doing it, karaoke.
2: It,
3: yeah, about yeah, about this
4: yeah. very subject, did a whole song to it, yes. Eric. no, no what, it was what, honestly what
2: shockingly good for being made up on the spot. <laughs> 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 what,
3: what I'm saying is when when Froton talks about uh late late round running backs you're going to want to listen and kendra
2: miller so we talk about you know like they're gonna be a young 22 kendra miller doesn't turn 21 until june so really really important a lot of times in dynasty like that's one less year of tread that's been taken off their tires we know that just the younger the more projectable you are important fact of kendra miller eric we're almost out of time you want to empty the notebook on any other running back names you have
4: yeah, sure. I'll dump it out Rashawn Johnson is a guy who's really uh come up a little bit. He was behind Bijan Robinson. Kyna Rogers
2: talked about Rashawn last Thursday, so great mind's thinking alike yeah.
4: here. As as he should be, you know, former quarterback. Tom Herman brings him in, says, Hey, oh yeah, we're gonna give you a shot at quarterback. But hey, you could be a good running back. Turns out that's the second time Tom Herman's done that. He also did that with Jaquindon Jackson, who is a Utah running back. He transferred, unlike Rashawn Johnson. And uh, you will be hearing about him next year. He's taken over that running back room. So um, led the entire nation again this year. You know, last year it was Henry Miller. This year, Rashawn Johnson on a per carry basis, uh, broken tackle rate. He led the the country in broken tackle rate. 45% of, the, of his carries, he's breaking a tackle. That is you know Bijan Robinson, obviously, and Rashon Johnson. Good luck tackling those guys in Texas. Certainly worth looking at again. Another big back in a class of smaller backs at the top. Evan Hull, Northwestern, sub four five forty, incredible. Okay, well, I know I've been going for the two down plotters. Evan Hull, two hundred and ten pounds, but still elite, elite pass catching back. Caught over fifty passes last year for Northwestern. Was the entire offense for Northwestern. If it weren't for Peter Skaronski, the poor guy, I don't know how he would have found a running lane. But just did it. Ever, did everything. Can go between the tackles. Is a great athlete in the 90th percentile and can catch passes. And lastly, deep, deep cut Shrine Bowl uh, invitee, generic Prince. There is nothing generic about generic's personal <laughs> skill set when it there comes to his athleticism. Uh, four sub four five four. 540, guys at 216 pounds. You saw him catching passes looking very fluid and smooth at the, at the uh, Shrine Bowl. Was a group of five running back uh, for Tulsa that really used him often. Was a true between-the-tackles Belkow, who has the athleticism, again, plus 90th percentile, I want to say 95th percentile athlete. You get him in the 6th, 7th round. You throw him at the end of your dynasty roster, you could do a hell of a lot worse.
2: Awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, just really, really, really good stuff. Because, again, these are the kind of names that will make the difference in Dynasty Leagues because everyone's going to have the same information on the blue-chip first-round guys. And, you know, in a year where the receiver class, the first-round receiver class, as Eric alluded to, isn't looking very big, maybe only three or four first-round receivers got to know the down-ballot names more, always need to know the down-ballot names of running backs since running backs just don't go early anymore. So really, really, really good stuff. Eric, I know you've got good stuff all over the site. What do you have up on the site right now?
4: Well, I'll be dropping, uh, frankly, several different defensive uh, columns coming. I'll have linebackers. I'll have interior offensive line. uh, I'll have cornerbacks and safeties in terms of my top ten write-ups for all those players and their entire rankings. I'll have a top 300 coming out next week right before the draft. (laughs) And myself, Kyle Dvorak, and the aforementioned Connor Rogers will be doing a three-man weave oh, uh, mock draft this week to be dropped next week. So there is no shortage of activity on my end until the draft is over.
2: Oh, and that's why you don't sleep.
3: Right. I have to say, though, that, that between, you know, Fro Time, Kyle's work, uh, Connor Rogers, others on the site, we have, we have a ton of – I'm not just being a company guy – I go, I go to our site specifically to brush up on this stuff because there's so <laughs> much good information. So I, I, I recommend everybody go do the same.
2: No, Thanks, seriously, it's us. amazing stuff. Check it out. Thank you so much to Eric for coming by and dropping some knowledge on us. Uh, for Denny Carter, for Eric Froton, I am Patrick Darty. Thank you for listening. We will be back later this week with Kyle Dvorak and Danny Kelly.